actually have real tangible stuff to talk about when it comes to Toronto FC on this week's edition of the Footy Talks podcast. My name is Mitchell Tierney and at on the show we'll talk about some of the options that Toronto FC has decided to pick up, some of them that they've decided to decline and kind of our first look at the offseason and what Toronto FC's plan is going to be going forward. We'll also talk a little bit about some other signings from the Canadian Premier League as the, that league gets set to launch um, and we'll wrap up with a little bit of MLS Cup playoffs and look at the other Canadian teams around MLS as well. Um, on today's show, uh, I'm welcoming on Charlie O'Connor-Clark of Waking the Red and uh, Waking the Red FC, which is making its return to uh, the Christian Jack Charity Tournament this Sunday. I'm already sore thinking about it, but uh, hopefully we'll have a, a better showing than we've had the last couple, uh, but that's not what really matters. What does matter is the charity um, and what we're raising money for. So, Charlie, how can people uh you know donate to the site and uh thanks for thanks for taking the time as well uh, no problem it's good good to be back uh so yeah you can i guess the url is kind of confusing but if you just go to gofundme.ca and search for waking the red dot or waking the red fc or uh it's also pinned on our homepage at wakingtheredcom you can check that out and donate to a pretty good cause it's a uh, foot f- football for good mm-hmm. it's called That's correct. yeah yeah Bring kind of football development and education and stuff to uh, to kids in Uganda, which is pretty cool, by my imagining. So yeah, yeah. I I've been on the training ground. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> you're gonna be sore. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping I'll I'll be more of a you know pure low late in his MLS career. Just play a couple passes and hopefully not do too much otherwise. Uh, Stand over a free kick and blast it over the bar oh I will, I will not be taking any set pieces but yeah other than that <laughs> I'll be very Pirlo ask uh, but yeah certainly a good cause and uh, we're looking forward to that tournament but um, to kick off this week's show uh, I thought we'd talk about uh, some of the signings that just happened in the Canadian Premier League uh, announcing the initial players who will be joining the, the league and gives us kind of an idea of both the caliber of player and and just the kind of player in general that the league's looking to target. And um, we'll talk a bit about the full signings uh, in a bit, but here's the here's the list of, of names. Um, on Calvary FC, they've signed Nick Ledgerwood and Sergio Camargo. Pacific FC signed Caden Chung. Forge FC add Kyle Becker and Chris Nanko. Halifax Wanderers add Zachary Secunda. Uh, Randy Adwini Bonsu and Alan Zibi are headed to Edmonton. Skylar Thomas to Valor and Kyle Porter to York 9. I think for me, probably the marquee signing is, is Kyle Becker. Uh, seven goals and 13 assists last season uh, and 30 games for North Carolina FC of the USL and obviously ex-Toronto FC. Uh, a player really for me who kind of got a bad rap because he was a member of some pretty awful Toronto FC teams. Uh, but, but a player that at 28 I think still has a lot of quality and uh, while he maybe won't be quite in the national team scene, I don't think he's he's that far down the depth chart. And I think this is a solid midfielder who could uh, really run things in Hamilton. So uh, for me, that's the biggest uh, biggest and most exciting signing to come out of today. I don't know about you. Yeah, I think I think it, it would definitely be probably the the headline of all the all the players that got signed. I mean, yeah, he had a great year with North Carolina this past year. Kind of had been bouncing around a little bit. He had a, I think he had a decent spell at Montreal a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. The impact, 
Um, but yeah, like he, he hadn't really kind of stayed in one place for too long. And I think this might be a chance for him to kind of step into more of a, more of a kind of foundational role with this club. Um, I mean, he's from Oakville, so it's pretty, pretty much a hometown team for him. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's also really interesting here that we kind of, we're starting to see that what the level of play is going to be in this league, kind of what kind of caliber of players we're getting. I mean, there's definitely some recognizable names here. There's lots of like, lots of Canadian national team experience, uh, like with with other guys, which I'm sure we'll get to, like Ledgerwood and and Bonsu and even Kyle Porter. But like, yeah, Kyle Becker is a pretty pretty interesting signing. And I mean, I I don't know if that was as much of a surprise as maybe some of the other names, but that was definitely a definitely a pretty interesting one to see go to Forge FC. Yeah, there's almost two. Uh... Kind of two levels of signing here. Um, there, there's obviously kind of the the Canadian men's national team veterans, uh, guys like Randy Adwini Bonsu, you know Nick Ledgerwood, Kyle Porter, as you all mentioned, and you could throw Becker into that mix. Kind of the guys who will be very important in the leadership roles in this league. I think we would expect that the majority of the players in this league, from what we've heard, and obviously the open trials and that sort of thing, will be younger. Uh, they'll be kind of those you know those 23 year old players that didn't have a place to go otherwise in Canadian soccer. Um, and, and of course, that is the other the other side of the the signings. There's those kind of leadership players, and then there's those younger players who, um, you know, are looking to to kind of rejuvenate their career a little bit, or you know, have come out of uh, Toronto FC or Vancouver Whitecaps or, or the Montreal Impacts academies, and are now looking uh, for a place to play professionally, as it didn't necessarily work out with those clubs. Um, and you know, the guys like Skylar Thomas and Sergio Camargo, if we're talking about the Toronto FC connection, so I think this definitely puts a good face on the league as their initial signings because. These are kind of the two players, uh, two types of players that I think were advertised as benefiting the most from the creation of this league, um, mm-hmm. and and yeah, the kind of players that I hope we see more signings of, other than obviously some of the younger, even younger players. But uh, this is kind of what the core of the league should be made up of, in my estimation. Yeah, I think they've done a pretty good job here of, um, I guess, putting their money where their mouth is and sticking to that kind of brand that they've been talking about, about giving opportunities to Canadian players and local talent. Because I think, I mean, all of these guys are Canadian and almost all of them are local to the clubs they signed with, I think. Um, which is which is great. Like, it's pretty much exactly what the clubs have been saying in the last, like, year or so. And now that to see that they're actually following through on that is, is pretty good. And, uh, yeah, you, uh, you're, you're totally right. Like, these players... Pretty much all of them fall into one of those two categories. It's either you have an experienced Canadian who's going to come in and kind of really lay the groundwork for a much younger team, and then there's the the younger players like um, like Caden Chung, who's one of the younger ones. I think Zachary Sekunda is one of the younger ones. Um, the guys who are going to come in and really like complete their development in this league alongside these. Uh, these more experienced older players that have developed elsewhere, like in USL or MLS or overseas. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, We'll, we'll wrap up the the Can PL talk there. I just wanted to to get some of those signings off the top, just because it's breaking news. I, I think we'll definitely have more coming out in the in the next couple of days as we get sort of an idea of 
of the wider scope of these rosters other than their first signings and, and some other stuff. I mean, personally, I'm still waiting to see the kits. Those are big for me. I want That's to know. what I was about to say. I want to see the jerseys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Those, like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited for that because um, I, I think they do have a really cool kit sponsor, and I think that having, yeah. you know, the, the less MLS style, um, not having <laughs> all the kits be exactly the same is going to be great for for the league so uh, i'm uh, that's kind of the next big one for me but i know the schedule there's so much more stuff to come so we'll definitely be talking a lot more canadian premier league on this show in the coming weeks but i just wanted to get an initial reaction on those signings uh speaking of signings we have all kinds of stuff to talk about when it comes to toronto fc um some signings some some contracts declined uh let's start there with uh with our our sweet sweet Iger Akeche. I don't know why, do but it seems like a lot of Toronto FC media, and specifically Waking the Red, like we all really <laughs> liked Iger Akeche. We all we all rated him as a player, um, but I, I think really it, it comes down to the fact that he wasn't a particularly great fit on or off the field for Toronto FC. On the field, I just don't think they need another uh, set piece specialist, which was kind of his best ability. Uh, he he just didn't quite fit into that midfield in the way that they were really expecting. Um, and and at the same time off the field, we've we've heard a couple rumblings about the fact that he again just didn't really fit in with the group, wasn't really fitting in with the team, and not even rumblings. I mean, Tim Bezbachenko straight up came out and said that this week when he was asked about it. So uh, disappointing to see a catch a go, I guess. But uh, I, I guess it makes sense in the grand scheme of things, and it, it won't handicap from the sounds of things Toronto FC. Uh, in, in the cap space at all, but uh, yeah, it's obviously going to cost them a lot of money for for a bit of a failed signing. So certainly a, a bit of a mistake there for Tim Bezbachenko. Yeah, it's uh, pretty pretty sad to see him go from my side. <laughs> Sound like I, you're uh, tearing up a little bit. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to hold it together. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I I mean he was he was probably one of the more marquee signings that came in in the in the. Uh, in the off season, and just looking at his highlight packs and stuff, like he was, he looked like a very technically talented player with uh, a left shot, which was kind of something that TFC had been missing, um, especially from the midfield. But then he he came in, and I guess he was kind of plunged into the just <laughs> the horrors of March MLS games <laughs> in Toronto. After having lived in Spain his whole life, it might be a not an ideal situation to come into. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously we we don't know exactly what was going on off the field. Um, but I mean, it's hard. It's kind of hard not to think that he didn't quite get as much of a chance as I might have hoped to see. Because he kind he got what I think it was eleven or twelve games. Yeah, if that, I'll pull it up right now. Yeah, but yeah, not it all of them. Were, not all of them were starts either. Um, so I, I don't know, I was a little disappointed when he was loaned out because I just felt like he hadn't quite been given enough time. I mean, if there was, if it was too much of a problem off the field, then that's a different story, but, uh, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, when he was playing, there were definitely a few moments when he looked really good, um, especially when he was like the only decent player on the field <laughs> for those games down in Colorado and Houston I think um, so yeah I guess it's just kind of kind of a, a disappointing end to a, a 
an effort that didn't quite work out for TFC, which, I mean, it happens. Lots of stuff didn't work out for him this year. <laughs> yeah. This is one of them. Yeah, for sure. I, um, I was going to mention the, the Colorado game just because maybe that was part of the problem, too, was the fact that he just didn't quite fit in. He, he almost needed to be the man more than he was allowed to regularly in the Toronto FC system because yeah. there's only so much of the ball to go around in that system, and Michael Bradley commands a lot of it. Um, and obviously Victor Vasquez commands a lot of it, and so does uh, the strikers as well. There's a lot of players who, who like their touches on Toronto FC, um, and Agar Akeche was certainly another one of those players. So, uh, you know, you kind of, uh, as much as I know our buddy Jeffrey Nasker likes to call them the pinball flippers, that uh, is Marky Delgado, a kind of player who will just recycle possession and, and quickly move it to other players. Uh, Akeche certainly wasn't that, and uh, I wonder if that was part of the problems. But uh, uh, just to mention quickly, uh, 11 games, 9 starts, so uh, and yeah. under 800 minutes. Uh, even, you know, Hansen got more minutes than him, which seems incredibly surprising considering uh, wow, the, yeah. the small length of time that Hansen was, was involved with Toronto FC. But uh, let's move on to some of the other news with Toronto FC, and that's the... The players who it would appear will will be leaving. Obviously, a contract decline does not mean the end of the road for these players, but uh, necessarily they could re- renegotiate. But some of the comments from Tim Bezbachenko and just the way that they've kind of framed this, it, it really does sound like of the four players Toronto FC have declined their contract options on, uh, Tosaint Ricketts, Clint Irwin, and... Uh, Jason Hernandez will not be returning to the club next season. I don't think any of these three are a particular surprise. I know I know we talked on the podcast last week about Tosin Ricketts and kind of what he's meant to this club and his amazing story of coming back from Europe and really being a contributing player for this team. Um, what do you make of those three departures and uh, kind of what they'll mean going forward for the club? Um, I mean, I don't think any of them are surprising at all. I mean, uh, Ricketts and Irwin, they were taking up a decent chunk of salary, I think something like $700,000 between them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were both bench players, especially Irwin, who got maybe a game every month or so um, outside of the Canadian Championship. But, I mean, it's, it's definitely going to be bittersweet to see them go. Like, they were both really, really instrumental in the 2016 MLS Cup run. Um, I mean, obviously, Irwin was backstopping it the whole way and Toss had some pretty big goals especially he scored that first extra time goal against Montreal mm-hmm. it was just an incredible moment for the club and for him especially just after after coming over from from Turkey he was in Turkey before he came over in that uh, summer I think, I think so Turkey or Israel yeah. or, or one of those yeah. uh, leagues in Europe yeah I think Turkey's right yeah. though yeah so he, he'd just come over and he was suddenly this Canadian talent just who just had ridiculous pace and would come on at the end of games and just score a late winner and equalizer and he did that several times over his career but I mean I think I think over the past season kind of the production kind of fell off a bit and he wasn't getting as many minutes as he had been and it just seemed like the club kind of wants to go in a different direction because he's he's getting up there in age now and taking up quite a bit of money and he's not going to be getting the minutes that that salary would kind of point towards if you're kind of an average player making that amount of money. Um, and as for Irwin, like again, he's, I, I'm sure, I'm sure that's probably mutual on both ends because he's probably good enough to start at a different MLS club. And I'm sure he would like to find an opportunity to get more minutes elsewhere. Hernandez is a weird one though. Cause like, 
they signed him and <laughs> never played him. Yeah. All year. So I don't know what he's like. I mean, that it wouldn't really surprise me to see him retire. I mean, I know he's held in high regard around the club, so maybe he could step into a coaching role or something. Um, so I don't really know what his next step is going to be, but as for the other two, it's kind of unfortunate to see them go, but I'm sure they'll find homes somewhere else in the near future. Well, there's a fourth player that I, I chose to leave off that list because, look, I really thought that, for, and from everything I've heard, I'd heard you know, multiple months before the end of the season that Jordan Hamilton would not be back with Toronto FC next year, that he was already in talks to, to leave the club. Uh, I don't know if he even had an, another club lined up or he just wanted a new opportunity, but it seemed like that was the case. Um, talking about Hernandez, we saw him get substituted on late in the final game of the season. They were getting ready to do the same for Jordan Hamilton. And I and when I, the second I saw that, I was wondering, you know, is this his last moment in the club? Because it was literally a last-second substitution that, that seemed like they were going to make. Um, but they decided not to do it because, uh, I can't remember, time ran out or something like that. Uh, at any rate, um, it, from Timbez Bachenko, it sounds like he could potentially return to Toronto FC. Uh, apparently they're talking with his agent right now. I don't know... <laughs> Honestly, I at this point, um, if I'm Jordan, I'm I'm looking elsewhere. I mean, you know, he's he hasn't this this year was the first year he kind of got a larger opportunity to do something, and obviously um, he he missed a lot of chances and didn't quite have the season that you'd hope for. But I, I think he needs to go somewhere where he's playing more consistently, and whether that's the Canadian Premier League, whether that's somewhere else in MLS where they'll give him a bigger opportunity. I think just being stuck behind Altidore and Javinko, um, as good as those players are, just, you know, he, there's so much promise there. And I think he he just needs to ha- look elsewhere at this point. But well, that that remains to be seen. That's a very interesting one for me to watch this, this offseason. Yeah I, yeah, I don't think he's really best used if he's coming off the bench every game I think he's kind of a player that needs to settle into a game and build up chemistry over the course of it with his strike partner and I mean, when he was getting consistent starts in down in USL this year he was unbelievable mm-hmm. he had eight goals in 10, 10 games I think um, so yeah I think I think if he's able to find a spot where he he is able to start consistently and score just score goals because I think any any striker, their confidence is going to go down if they're not scoring goals. Um, so, yeah, I think he just needs to find a spot where he's given that opportunity more consistently. And, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure he would love to find an MLS side that would give that to him. But at this point, I think I think you might want to be giving Jimmy Brennan a call and <laughs> seeing if York 9 FC is going to throw you a line here because I think he would be a really great, really great player for that club. Yeah, he'd be a pretty dominant striker in, in the Canadian Premier League, uh, mm-hmm. I think. But um, yeah, with with Clint Irwin departing, Toronto FC have made it clear that they are looking at bringing in another goalkeeper. Um, I know Lucas Pace was was reported um, as one of those goalkeepers who could potentially come in with the club and uh, come in um, on a trial from uh, Brazil. 
but apparently he failed his physical. So um, according to Joshua Cloak of the Athletics, so that's not going to happen from the sounds of things. But do you think that's kind of the direction Toronto FC goes is is a younger keeper? Um, because they have Caleb Patterson Sewell there, obviously. You can kind of be that veteran uh, shoulder for Alex Bono to lean on. Uh, but do you think they go younger because potentially they can get someone uh, a little bit cheaper who's younger, maybe um, you know has has some experience, but uh, they, they can potentially you know have another starting potential goaltender in there just in case Alex Bono kind of speed wobbles again as he did this past season, or or do you go with more of a veteran presence because I think it's pretty clear they wanted to to clear out salary cap here, so you'd think they'd want to sign someone for you know maybe half of Clint Irwin's salary or something like that. Yeah, I think I think they're definitely gonna want to look younger or inexpensive because I mean I I genuinely have no idea how uh Patterson Sewell could play at an MLS level I have no idea <laughs> um but I yeah, I think if they are going for someone they're going to go for someone who's a little younger who they can afford to just kind of so basically someone they can afford to pay backup money to be a backup because Clint Irwin was not making backup money really mm-hmm. um so yeah, I think definitely. I mean, I am always and forever on team sign young South American players, <laughs> um, and I'm sure we're going to talk later about a team that does a very good job of that. Um, but yeah, I I think in general, TFC are probably going to trend towards younger players anyway. I would hope at least. Um, so yeah, I I don't think we'll be seeing like a a veteran goalkeeper brought in if. I mean, I'm not even entirely confident that a goalkeeper needs to be brought in. But if they are, it's probably going to be somebody younger who can fill in when necessary. Or maybe they'll throw Patterson Seal a few few starts if he needs to get his feet under him and take some of the load off Alex Bono. So I'm not really... I don't think they're going to make any enormous move in goal. Yeah, I'd love to see like a Max Crepeau from the Montreal Impact or something like that. But mm. uh, we'll we'll see what the, the situation is like there. We'll, we'll talk about the Montreal Impact a little bit later on the show and um, what's going on there. But uh, the, the other bit of news from from that kind of crazy dump of player information um, that, that occurred earlier this week was the fact that uh, both Aro and Lucas Hansen's loans will be up um, at the end of the year. We we kind of knew this already and uh, that Toronto FC is uh, working on, on kind of trying to renew both of their loans or figure out some kind of situation that they can have the players for next season, whether that be with an extended loan or, or transferring them permanently, obviously. Uh, you know, with with the way MLS's salary cap is set up, it's it's incredibly difficult if you bring in a player on transfer to get them under kind of the TAM rate um, that that both of these players would probably require, or at least uh, Lucas Hansen would require. But um, you know, do you think those are are two players that should come back this this next season? Because I think both of them uh, performed fairly well. You know, obviously, and uh, everything's kind of you know under the under the the kind of spectacle that this was not a good season, and um, you know everything's kind of jarred by that. But do you think this was? Do you think bringing both these players back would be would be positive for Toronto FC or, or one of the two? I see. I'm I'm really not sure. I think definitely they should be trying to keep Arrow. I think he was one of the club's best players when he was healthy this year. He was, and he was just incredible to watch down the right side. It was a lot of fun. 
Um, and I'm not really sure how much he's going to command in salary. I, I mean, I, I honestly don't really think it would make a lot of sense to sign both of these guys to TAM money. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, that'll, that'll take away from their ability to address other perhaps more pressing needs. Um, and I think if you're keeping one, it it probably has to be Arrow. But I know that I think I think Greg Vanny at least is pretty high on Lucas Hansen. Um, and I mean he he was pretty good when he was playing. He scored, which <laughs> not a lot of players can say that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, he like he so yeah he was he was good. But I just don't know if we saw enough from him to warrant paying him. Uh, three or four hundred thousand dollars just might be a little I might be a little bit skeptical of making making a move like that on him but I think I think if you are keeping one of them it should definitely be Arrow yeah I guess it all kind of depends on on what kind of salary cap space Toronto FC has but it does sound like they have a decent amount obviously they were able to recapture the Agra Keche money, which was, mm-hmm. I think, $1.3 million he was being paid, which is, again, a lot of money. Um, but, uh, yeah, certainly will be interesting to see what they do there. One of the one of the other moves that has been kind of speculated that um, that looks like it's definitely not coming to fruition is, is the Jonathan Osorio move to Colombia. Um, I guess unless the player really pushes it, which, again, I don't see as being very likely. Uh, from the sounds of things, and I know Gavin Day said this uh, last week on the show, this just sounded kind of like Octavia Sombrano rattling the cages a little bit, um, but making his interest very clear in Canadian press that he wanted to bring uh, Jonathan Osorio to his Colombian side on loan for the Copa Libertadores. But, yeah, it just it just never really made sense. I mean, why would Toronto FC loan out their player, even for the start of the season in, in the CONCACAF Champions League? Um, I know a lot of people have been talking about the fact that this could be great for Jonathan Osorio's development, and I don't necessarily disagree, but, you know, if you want a player to, ex- you know, excel in CONCACAF for, for the men's national team, you'd think the CONCACAF Champions League's a pretty good uh, mm-hmm. opportunity to uh, yeah. to kind of get those, those looks. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like that's not happening at all, and, um, you know, any thoughts on that? I don't think it's, it's a big surprise that, yeah. that like, the club dispelled that pretty quickly. Yeah, it would just make absolutely no sense for the club, especially just having signed him to a big new contract like only a couple months ago, and to put him out on loan in arguably the part of the season when they need him the most. They need they'll need every bit of squad depth they can possibly have. I would make absolutely no sense, and I I don't really see Osorio being so adamant about wanting to play in South America that he would force a move. I'm sure he wouldn't have signed a long-term contract with TFC if he didn't want to be here and play for them in next year's CONCACAF Champions League. So I just have a very hard time believing anything of this nature would actually go through. Yeah, you'd have to think at the very least it'd be a transfer. And not only is that a long-term contract, it's, you know, from the sounds of things, it's close to a million dollars. He's one of the best-paid Canadian players. and. 
in the entire world. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know yeah. how much better you're going to get uh, in other places around the around the globe. So no. um, I, I think we can pretty much, uh, you know, end, end the Sorio situation there. Uh, the, the last bit of news that, that Tim Bezbachenko said was he does expect all three designated players to return next season. Obviously, they're under contract for one more year. All of their contracts expire after this season. He's not in any particular rush to, to get any of the deals done. Um, you know, he, he's obviously talking to the three agents, but we'll, we'll see where that goes from there. There's been uh, some issues, obviously. You know, Sebastian Javinko's been been pretty public about the fact that he wants this to get done. He wants to be in Toronto long term. Um, you know, Josie Altidor obviously uh, at the end of the season, um, it really did sound like he was he was going to leave. But uh, I wonder if that was more initial shock value that you know we thought mm. when, when we heard those comments that wow this is this is different and maybe it was just an emotional an emotional response. I know there's been you know never ending rumors of linking him to Tigris in, in some kind of weird <laughs> trade. Um, for Inter Valencia, yeah, Inter Valencia, yeah. Which you know maybe wouldn't be the worst move, but I again don't think it's going to happen. Especially Inter Valencia plus another player. That seems uh, definitely not. That seems pretty ridiculous. Uh, at any rate, um, it looks like all three will be back next season. You you think that's the right move at this point? Um, I think so. I mean, these this is a core of three players that was just so unbelievably dominant in MLS just a year ago. I mean, I don't think they. They've lost so much out of the tank that they're just liabilities now. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I mean, Sebastian Jovinko actually had a really good year, I thought, even though the club didn't. I mean, he, he looked pretty dangerous every time he was on the pitch. Um, I'd say it was, it, was kind of, it was kind of a tough year for, for Altador and for Bradley, who, I mean, Altador was dealing with injuries and Bradley was playing out of position all the time, so neither of them really saw the year go the way they'd wanted but uh i don't know i mean yeah you're like you're right altador's speech at the end of that atlanta game did sound very final and i mean he was even asked about it like twice he was given an option to back off on it and he was kind of like i don't really know what's going to happen if this is my last game then thank you to toronto but he didn't seem to he didn't seem to think that he had much control over it, which was kind of interesting. Um, and I mean, yeah, I guess we we were talking about TFC's cap space. Obviously, that picture changes immensely if one of those three players is out of the picture. But I really don't think there's any need to ship any of them out before this next season. I think you have to give that core one chance to kind of redeem themselves after 2018. And then you kind of see how that season progresses, and then you can make a decision on re-signing them or, or selling them or letting them go after one more chance, I think. Because they've all been around for a while, and they've served the club pretty well, and I don't think you need to make drastic decisions on one year when everything went really wrong for the team. No, certainly not. I, th- I think I agree with all that. And uh Let's end our Toronto FC talk there and move on quickly uh, to quickly mention the the Canadian under-17 women's team who unfortunately fell 1-0 last night in their semifinal against Mexico on a penalty. Um, but a historic performance for them. Obviously, they beat Germany earlier in the week, which was a big win and the first time they've ever won a knockout stage game at this under-17 World Cup. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all got me kind of wondering how much 
how much the results really matter in this uh, at this age you know it's 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 incredibly important to to win games obviously that's the the point of soccer but at the same time you, I think it's I think what stood out to me more at this competition is the fact that there are a lot of good players coming up in the Canadian system and they they played a pretty cohesive game under Rianne Wilkinson who who's uh the coach and obviously a national team veteran as well so uh promising stuff ahead it would seem like for for the canadian women's team yeah canadian soccer across the board is just such a positive place at the moment um yeah i think there's definitely a lot of a lot of interesting talented players on that u17 team obviously jordan heidema is unreal mm-hmm. like she's like she's oh one of the best players at that tournament. I mean, already having, what, like 15 or 16 senior national team caps mm-hmm. at the age of 17. So, yeah, I mean, she's obviously the the kind of marquee name from that team that's probably going to be heard around women's national team circles for a long time to come. I mean, I'm sure there's, there's lots of other talented players in that team, and it's always, it's always positive to advance to a semifinal in an international tournament. Yeah, just in general, I mean, pretty positive stuff. Yeah, for sure. I know that there's some people who, you know, will talk about the system and, and some of the issues there. And certainly, like, you, you have to continuously fix this stuff and continuously work on this stuff, especially as the the rest of the world catches up a little bit in terms of funding and and the rest of the Canadian women's national team. But, uh, yeah, I think this is a positive, and I think this is kind of a sign that, you know, things are still headed in a decent direction. Even if Canada is just producing a couple of really dominant players at, at the youth level, um, you, you know, in a couple of cycles, I think we'll have enough players at the senior national team that, that it'll be positive. And as you mentioned, Jordan Heitma, I think really, I mean, she's basically, she's probably better than Alfonso Davies. Like if you consider the kind of the impact that, that she has in the, in the women's yeah. game compared to what Alfonso has currently in the men's game, it, it's just the fact that, you know, the the women's national team isn't as needing of of that kind of type of player as the men's national team is. So, um, yeah, I think uh, she certainly deserves all the credit and hype that she's been getting um, for this tournament because she really was very dominant and very good um, and a class player that, you know, look, we don't want to, you know, heap the, the Sinclair level on her, but I think that she's the type of player that should make us a little less worried about the fact that Sinclair's, you know, coming to the end of her career within the next probably 10 years. I think she'll have a couple, like two more World Cup cycles in her. But um, yeah, certainly uh, positives there. As you said, let's just wrap up quickly with a bit of MLS Cup talk and um, and a bit of MLS news as well. Uh, obviously, the games are, are tonight. We're recording this on a Thursday. So the games are tonight for, for MLS, uh, you know, the... The, the conference finals so we don't want to get into them too too much uh because obviously they'll be pretty dated but there's one there's one matchup that i think we can you know even if we do jinx it i don't care because it's atlanta united um <laughs> it really does look like atlanta united will be participating in their their first ever mls cup um yeah just a very impressive run from them and uh, they're really backing up what they what they did in the regular season, which the the same at the moment can't be said of the New York Red Bulls. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel really bad if we were to jinx the Atlanta United. Um, yeah, I think I think they were pretty comprehensive in their win last week. I'm sure they're going to they're going to see it through. That team is 
they kind of fell flat in their first playoff appearance last year. Uh, so they've kind of had a bit more of a been coming back with a bit of a vengeance this year, just trying to actually prove that they're an elite team. I mean, obviously they're an elite team in this league, but I'm sure losing the supporter shield on the last day of the season did not <laughs> didn't help in terms of uh, stopping them from kind of motivating and trying to actually come out with some silverware this year because they did have an incredible season. And I'm sure that that they uh they would be feel pretty hard done by if they didn't come out of it with something which they to be honest they probably deserve at the moment um yeah i think i think it's pretty safe to say they're going to win tonight <laughs> i'm sure if anybody's listening to this tomorrow and they didn't i will i will Ooh. i'll take that make i'll it. take the blame for that <gasps> i don't really thought you were gonna make some kind of wager i was super excited <laughs> uh i uh i will I don't. I don't know. I don't really hate either team. So I can't like. I can I wouldn't feel like bad about wearing a jersey yeah. or something. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I'll cheer for. I'll cheer for the Red Bulls in MLS Cup. <laughs> All right. There you go. <laughs> Just the way you started that, it sounded like you were gonna make some kind of crazy. You know, I'll eat my shoes or something, and I got very excited about. I the, thought the about potential it, but content. I couldn't think of anything good. Yeah. 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 It's fine. Uh, uh, yeah, we're just missing out on great content now. Great. I'll, uh, no. I'll write a poem. I'll write a poem oh. and publish it on Waking the Red in uh, in praise of the New York Red Bulls. I like that. There you go. I'll hold you to that. If uh, like we said, I don't think that'll happen. The other one, uh, I don't think we need to talk about it very much because uh, that one, you know, it all kind of goes down to tonight, nil nil on on aggregate between Portland and Sporting KC. Um, mm-hmm. So. You know, it should be a pretty fun MLS Cup final, though. I think for once, these are really like four of the best teams in MLS that that are competing in the yeah. in the conference finals, and uh, that that's probably going to make it so we have a very interesting MLS Cup final, regardless of of which teams reach there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm really excited to see who ends up in this final against probably Atlanta. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's going to be a really great, really great match no matter what. I mean, Portland and SKC are both really talented teams. Um, in terms of the game tonight, I mean, I think SKC has them right where they want them. They got a clean sheet on the road, and they're probably going to try and nick it at home. But anyway, um, yeah, it's a, it, it is nice to see for really good teams in the final four. I mean, it feels like there's usually a team that kind of sneaks through to the conference final that, I mean, it's usually a great story, but based on their regular season performance might not have belonged there. Um, I mean, you could argue that even like the Montreal impact back in 2016 might have surprised a few people to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even Columbus last year, even though they were, they were a very talented team. Um, so yeah, it is interesting to see kind of the cream of the crop in MLS actually coming down to the final four here. Well, let's finish up with uh, just looking quickly at the other Canadian MLS teams and their their roster moves. Uh, starting with Vancouver, I don't think there's it was that surprising considering um, the, the fact that you know they they basically just just kept their Canadians, which is exactly what you would expect under Mark DeSantos, uh, mm-hmm. Daniel Henry. Brett Levis, uh, David Norman Jr. all returning, as well as Jordi Reyna, Eric Hurtado, 
um, and Sean Melvin, oh, Nicholas Mosquito too. Um, some some departures there. They got rid of both of their goalkeepers, other than um, other than the aforementioned Melvin, uh, with Marinovic and, and Spencer Ritchie leaving. Uh, Jose Aja as well. Um, Roberto Dominguez, Aaron Mond, uh, Ali Gazelle, Breck Shea. Uh, not that surprising that there's kind of a big. Uh, a big exodus of players after what was a very disappointing end of the season for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, yeah, what did you make of, of kind of those moves and uh, the, the early look at maybe what Mark DeSantos has, has planned for next season based on, on those moves? Yeah, I mean, it is... I, there were definitely some surprises in there. I was a little, little surprised to see both Marinovic and Richie decline. Mm-hmm. Um, now they're pretty much just left with Melvin. Um I mean, obviously, obviously, it's not surprising to see like Breck Shea declined or or uh, some of the other kind of older players that they're kind of trying to move forward without. I think they they these players are out of contract. They'll free up a lot of salary, um, but I think in general, I think DeSantis is probably kind of trending towards a bit of a maybe a bit of a rebuilding phase with some some younger players coming in. Um, and kind of moving, shifting out some of the older, maybe stale pieces that uh, were taking up a lot of salary and a lot of minutes away from players who are coming out of their very good academy system. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of interesting to see how confidently Dos Santos is coming in and just cleaning house. Um, which I mean, fair play to him, but it's always a little bit risky to clean out that much. Um, but I think in general, this is all pretty positive stuff. Yeah, I think you have to clean up a little bit after what came to the surface during that uh, end of season press conference. Uh, yeah, yeah, just just ugly stuff there. I I, I kind of wish that would happen at a Toronto FC press conference, just because. That'd be unbelievable to cover. Like I can't even imagine how like Dan Riccio and and all those guys out in Vancouver were were handling it when they said this stuff because it's just unbelievable. I mean, yeah, the, the yeah. amount of stories you could write that day were just ridiculous. But uh, let's move on to Montreal, who I was actually a little more surprised by. I mean, they declined who I would consider to be two of their best players, the options on Bakary Sanya, who came in and was a pretty solid player for them, and uh, and Rob Fanny, who was very solid at the back for them throughout the season. Uh, kind of surprising. The other big surprise for me is the fact that they kept all three of their young Canadian keepers. I know Max Crepeau, they haven't really mm-hmm. given a big chance to. They loaned him out to Ottawa Fury this year. He was the best goalie of the year in USL and really looks primed to kind of take the next step in development. He's been at most of the recent Canadian men's national team camps as well and really seems to be uh, one of the most promising keepers. Same with uh, James Pantermas. Uh, who is, you know, again, has been in a lot of those Canadian men's national team camps and is widely considered to be one of the up-and-coming keepers for Canada. Uh, and Jason Bolia, another young keeper. I don't know what, I don't know what's in the water in Montreal because they really, the, the amount of goalkeepers they produce, I mean, there's like three over in Italy right now um, mm-hmm. who are all from Montreal. So I, I'd love to dig into that at some point and see exactly what's going on. Uh, in Montreal for the from the goalkeeper side, I mean, maybe it's just a hockey thing because obviously uh, <laughs> some of the best goalkeepers in general in sport are are born in Montreal. But um, what did you make of Montreal's kind of both the both moving some of those big veteran pieces out? Um, I, I guess you know veteran in terms of years they haven't been there very long, but uh, and, and then keeping a lot of young young keepers that you know maybe some of them they'll transfer, but it really does seem like. 
you know, it's there's such a log jam up top there that it's weird that they would want to even keep all of these guys. Yeah, that it was kind of weird. I mean, I was kind of reading around for some reason. I think it was the Montreal Gazette kind of suggested that it's possible that they're talking about new contracts with Fanny and Sanya, which would be kind of strange. Yeah, I don't think either of them would really be willing to take a pay cut. Um, but I just, I don't really know what the Montreal Impact are right now. Like, they've got some very talented players. I mean, obviously, Nacho Piatti is one of the best players in MLS. They've got your boy Sam Piet in midfield. Yeah, Sammy. <laughs> like, they've got lots of good players and didn't have a great year. I mean, I just don't really know what they are or where they're going because they've kind of got their eggs in several baskets and like the talented talented attacking players basket and the young uh young developing players coming into the lineup so it's i just don't really know what direction they're trying to take it in this off season um and i mean having all of those goalies is great but at some point, you do have to get minutes for all of them. So maybe they'll just keep loaning them out to Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, Ottawa. Ottawa has certainly benefited as a result because, the, the, mm-hmm. as we've said, they are very good keepers. Um, but we'll, we'll wrap up the show there. Obviously, we're going to be keeping tabs on, on, as you said, all three Canadian teams because they have such interesting off-seasons. Um, but, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on the show, Charlie. No problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, see you Sunday again. Uh, you can head over to the Waking the Red website. We have a pinned uh, article on there as to how you can donate to our, our club. Uh, all of the money, of course, goes to football for good. Um, so there's stuff there as well where you can check out the, the charity and what exactly your money will be going to. So we would appreciate any money you guys can give. Uh, th- that'd be great. Um, and next week on the show, we'll have a very special MLS Cup preview as, as we look ahead to the biggest game of the year in Major League Soccer. And but until then, thank you everyone for listening.